podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. As we continue to work our way through this pandemic, the Premier League continues to make fans the least important people in their mindset. And with yesterday's news that IPTV blocks are going to be in place this year and many games are going to be blacked out across the UK, fans are left to wonder when they'll get to see live football. They won't get to be in stadium till at least late October. And now they might not get to watch their teams at 3pm on a Saturday. This is the Two-Footed Podcast on Saturday, September the 5th. I'm joined today by Eddie Gibbs from our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield, to discuss some of the issues uh, going on around the Premier League at the moment. But Eddie, let's start with the IPTV blocks. Um, firstly, thanks, of all, thanks for coming on. Um, but what, what do these IPTV blocks mean for the, the normal fan? Uh, thanks for having me, Dave. So uh, I didn't expect to be coming on your show quite so soon when we agreed to uh, be the presenting sponsor, but uh, you've been doing a stellar job in the first week or so. And uh, here I find myself uh, at the end of your second week getting a, a guest slot. So I didn't I didn't somewhat expect that. So thanks for having me. So uh, the, the, the blackouts, the way it works, uh, the blocks, shall we say. Uh, three years ago, there was a court injunction in the UK to try and stem at the time it was Cody, that was the big thing where the illegal streaming was all going on. And there was a, a government legislative uh, high court order, which basically required the big sex telecom or ISP operators in the UK to find a mechanism of blocking access to illegal streams for their users. So we're talking Sky, we're talking BT, Virgin Media, Vodafone, uh, EE and Plusnet. They were, they were the sex, I believe, at the time. And what happened was they were there was an injunction forced on them that they had to block access to these illegal streams. So when they're sitting in their data centers and they're seeing all this traffic hit the, uh, hit their services for, uh, for access to these illegal streams, they were legally required to block them the next year. As you all know, that same legislation was passed in Ireland as well. And the whole thing is encouraged to try and stop people having access to illegal streams when football is on. Now to anyone that has an illegal IPTV service, that doesn't just mean the football stops. That means all of the service stops. So the wife may be watching EastEnders while the husband's wanting to watch the Champions League. EastEnders gets blocked as well. So that's in a nutshell what the blocking is. And that's what that's the court order that's been renewed now for the new football season as well. So that's the blocking mechanism. And that's what's uh, in place by the Premier League to ensure that the access to illegal streams are blocked. So they're not just going to take away the football. They're going to add in the earache of I can't watch my TV show as well from the <laughs> it's not it's not that they're adding it in it's always been there so effectively when when the football is blocked on an illegal streaming service everything is blocked on that illegal streaming service just for the duration ironically of the time that the football is on it is so funny especially with with companies like Sky who obviously provide a TV service as well that you know they're just required to block out the games and they, they can't block out the uh, the TV package. But what, what workarounds is there? There has to be ways for people to still get access to these games. So what can people do to get well, their IPTV to work? Well, it's... <laughs> 
it's more prevalent now than it probably has been in the past. And for the fact that, I mean, once football resumed from the COVID lockdown in that period where uh, where the games returned, there there was no need for it really because everything was, there was no, le- I bet illegal streaming fell through the floor for the simple reason that there was legal access for the first time in the UK to every Premier League match. Obviously, BBC showed their first ever free-to-air Premier League matches Amazon showed free to air. You didn't have to have their service. Sky put their games. I think the first one was the Liverpool Everton Merseyside derby. They showed that on their uh, on their Sky Pick channel, which is a free to air service. The only ones that didn't show free to air were BT Sport. They kept their stuff behind the paywall. But essentially, for the first ever time, there was a legal means for people in the UK to have access to all the Premier League matches in the way that uh, people around the world, certainly in the USA, China, Hong Kong. Uh, Thailand, Australia, all these countries that are big Premier League markets uh, have had access to Premier League games where they can watch everything. But here in the UK, you can't, uh, mainly due to the 3 p.m. blackout uh, law that you you alluded to earlier. But that was scrapped when football returned after COVID. That 3 p.m. blackout law was not in place. And for the first ever time, there was a legal method for people in the UK to watch their team play. And that was backed by government uh uh, government power effectively or government influence shall we say to try and encourage the Premier League to make sure that those games were shown when no one could effectively go to the stadiums they didn't want people converging on stadiums uh, as a lockdown uh, started to ease and they wanted to make sure that people had a means of watching these uh, these games in, in, in their homes uh, for free at, at times as well. I thought it made it much more enjoyable as well I mean, for me, growing up in Ireland, we had the exact same thing because most of our TV came from the UK. So we had the 3 p.m. block, block uh, blackout. So I moved to Australia in 2013 and was just staggered to find that with my Foxtel subscription, I could watch any game. No matter what game was on, I could watch it. Uh, I moved to Canada in 2016 and the same thing with my Rogers subscription. I could watch any game, no matter what time it was on at. And we're talking seven years ago. So, like for the last at, at least seven years, and probably for years before that, fans in other countries have just had better access to English football than the English fan. I've I've often wondered: is there is there a service to Premier League? could launch something similar to what the NBA does. The NBA has their own uh, online service where you can pay to just watch the games of your team or you can pay to have league league pass, basically, to the entire league. And I often wondered, is this something the Premier League might consider down the line? And when we came out of lockdown and there were, every game was being shown, I thought, right, this is where they'll, they'll look at this and go, right, all these games have been shown and people are watching them. Because we all know when they pick their games at the start of the year, they have to pick games. Sky have to pick games they don't necessarily want because every team has to get shown a certain amount of times. So you're going to get West Ham, West Brom at some point this year on the television, which won't be hugely popular with the neutral fans, but they're contractually obliged to do it. But if they could stash them games on a... On a, on a league pass type service and just show Liverpool, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, etc. I think a lot of the big providers will be happier with that. Do you think is it possible that down the line we'll see something like a league pass service set up by the Premier League a- alongside 
the um, the major providers because obviously, like the NBA has deals with ESPN and TNT and a couple of others. The Premier League can say, well, we have BT, we have Sky, but we also have all these other games and we can put them on our own service and we can just charge people a monthly subscription for that. It's it's utopia. I mean, that's what we would all, as football fans, hope for. But the actual maths is actually very unrealistic for, for the Premier League. I'll explain why in a minute. I just want to go back to your point on American sports. Obviously, American sports do still have local blackouts. For instance, if you're watching an NFL game and you're based in New York and the Jets are at home, you will not be able to watch that game live on your TV. It will be blacked out. So you would have to either go to the stadium or you watch it on demand afterwards because your location, your IP address, if you like, to the to the you will have it on Nort TV. I, I should stress that it's streaming. I'm talking about here, not not to, it will be available on a paid TV platform. But on, for instance, the uh, the Game Pass, which is the big thing for the NFL, that would be blocked to people in the in New York that are using a New York IP address. So if someone was in New York was able to say get uh, an LA IP address then they would have access to that streaming service on their Game Pass. So there are local blackouts in American sport, but not to the mm. same extent of this, where a whole country is effectively blocked from watching uh, from watching games due to uh, a bygone law, which I doubt actually fixes anything just now. They say that that 3pm blackout law is in place to stop... You gave an Australian example. Well, someone from Australia that might be a Liverpool fan, they're not going to go and watch... South Liverpool play or Marine or, or any of the local sides uh, play a football match in the True. lower leagues. Uh, whereas someone in Liverpool, if Liverpool was shown at 3pm, then they wouldn't go and watch uh, Marine or South Liverpool or any of the local sides. So that's uh, that's just one example. Uh, but I do think it's a bygone law. I really do. I mean, the solution to me, and I, I've never really got much leverage when I've suggested this before, but and I know it, the traditionalists would hate it, but just don't play Premier League games on a Saturday. <laughs> Just play them all on other days, you know what I mean, or or, or not in that three pm window. You know what I mean? There's a, how many games are ever in that three pm window anyway? Three or four? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's like, the thing. Don't with, play with them games then. now on Fridays and on Mondays. Plus, like you get a twelve, a two, and a four, or a four thirty on a on a Sunday. I mean, they've expanded the weekend, and I love it. I, I love the, the Friday night games. To me, are just brilliant. But I mean, one of the things that I think we all fell in love with Spanish football when when Sky started showing it was that it was at 8 p.m. That late night game, you're like, yeah. it's totally different because it's it's like, you know, the, the big European games under the lights, you know, in a darkened setting. And the Premier and then, League and the FA Cup did dabble with that 8 p.m. on a Saturday night uh, last year as well. So for the first time. I thought so, it worked. The, the problem is, and the thing that was different in the lockdown period was, that multiple broadcasters were able to show Premier League games at the same time. Okay, so it's a scheduling thing. So on Sky, on Sky Pick, on their free service, you may have one game, whilst there may be a pay TV game on BT Sport and a free game on BBC at the same time. So three Premier League games with three different broadcasters could potentially all be on at once. The Premier League don't want that because it takes eyeballs off the, the event you know what i mean it, it yeah. dilutes it dilutes premier league football in their opinion so that's why some games do remain in that in that 3 p.m slot because they don't want to dilute that market going back to a couple of the points that you made earlier then uh first of all you said about uh 
about ways of getting around this. Now, of course, there are yes. ways of getting around it, and uh, we should have a we should have a disclaimer right away. As uh, obviously, I'm from a VPN company. VPN is not designed to circumvent legal means and access illegal means. That's the first thing that we have to say. It's that's not what VPN's for. VPN is an encryption tool to protect your privacy to stop your internet service provider being able to log the websites you are on and effectively sell your data to marketing agencies that will then uh, will then spam you with loads of allegedly tailored marketing messages so effectively that's and hackers and all the other stuff that comes with it but vpn is in a way of using the internet privately in an encrypted manner safely and privately that's what that's what vpn is for now as a byproduct of that because it provides an ip address and a connection to the internet which your internet service provider can't log effectively if you are with one of those big six internet providers and you're using even a uk vpn your internet provider, Virgin, Sky, BT, they cannot see what websites and services you are using. And what they cannot see, they cannot block. So if you have a, a Liberty Shields VPN app on your iPhone, on your Mac, on your Windows machine, if you run if you run our app on your Fire TV, as soon as you connect to the VPN, your internet service provider cannot see what website you are on. And what they cannot see, they cannot block. So that's in very simple terms why people use a VPN. And let me put my cynical hat on here. That's why West Ham are sponsored by Iversy VPN. That's why Liverpool are sponsored by NordVPN. There are others, you know what I mean? Football clubs know that VPNs are a way of their content reaching their fans in an indirect manner. So that's why football is in bed with VPN. And that's why Liberty Shield, in all honesty, are sponsoring a podcast like this. For the simple fact that VPN for football fans is a big deal. And we want to be part of that in the same way that all, all our competitors do. So that's a... A very vague, I suppose, but uh, a bit of a scattergun explanation to why VPN has sort of infiltrated uh, football and Premier League football in, in, in some ways. Now, the other thing you asked about there was, uh, go on, remind me, <laughs> I had a second point. There was another thing that you had asked me about. Well, I was going to say with the with the VPN, even though this, it's not what the purpose of the VPN is, can the VPN help people? get around the IPTV box. So if you have an existing IPTV and you were to take a Liberty Shield VPN, would that remove the block that the Premier League are having? Yeah, the te- te- technically, technically it will. Uh, because, uh, like I said, you are encrypted. And once your internet connection becomes encrypted, your ISP cannot see what websites you're on. And if they cannot see what websites you're on, they cannot block what websites and services you are using. So they can only block what they can see. When you're connected to VPN, you're encrypted. So only one packet of data is being sent between your location and your internet service provider. So as such, you cannot you cannot be blocked technically by your internet service provider at that point. There are other means, for instance, a legal service, like you mentioned a couple, you mentioned Rogers in Canada, you mentioned Foxtel mm. in Australia. There are others that DAZN are now massive in Canada with the Premier League rights. NBC, yes. NBC through their Peacock service and NBC Gold and such have the rights to matches in the USA. So if you used a USA VPN or a Canadian VPN or an Australian VPN, then you would be able to access services that you were able to physically when you were located in those countries because you're changing your virtual location at that point by using a VPN so there's 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 a lot of intricacies to VPN within football uh, but to, to answer your question yes if you were using a VPN you you cannot be blocked due to the technical measure of encryption that you've deployed at your location the VPN sort of the idea of getting an American VPN to me is quite interesting because 
there's, there's services like HBO, like the HBO Go app and, and things that we can't get here in Ireland because it's just not available to us. Um, I remember when when Disney Plus was being launched, uh, Ireland was quite late to get it. Uh, it doesn't work properly. Uh, we're pointing that out. Um, clearly, they didn't plan for a pandemic and millions of extra people sitting at home trying to log in and watch their, watch their service. <laughs> but... If you have that US VPN, you can access then those American um, TV services, which is which is another you know really good benefit of it. ESPN Plus and things like that as well. Um, we'll park that that part there, Eddie. I'll just recommend that people go to LibertyShield.com and do check out the services uh, that are provided there. But the other big news then, from a television point of view, is that. Um, the PPTV service, the the deal with 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 China, the Premier League have announced that that's null and void. That they are pulling out of that deal. Um, there's a couple of reasons for it, but finances are one. A payment of 140 million did not arrive uh, due to lockdown and due to games been postponed. But there's also massive government pressure involved here. Yeah, it's multifaceted. It really is. It broke. Uh, I know it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. This sort of news, but it does have a bearing. It genuinely does. And and what we're in cult. We're we're in that COVID climate now. You know what I mean. And finances are going to be affected. China say the Chinese broadcaster PPTV, which. Uh, to, to anyone that doesn't know, they they are uh, they are Chinese state owned to all intent and purposes, as everything in China is, and they all they're also part of Sunny Holdings, which. Uh, anyone that studies the game in depth will know that uh, are also the they also have the control and stake in Sierra side into Milan as well so uh, it's uh it they are a big player you know I mean there's no two ways about it and what what they've effectively said publicly which isn't very much is that they uh, are refused they've refused to pay it was 160 million pounds uh from March their payment that was due in March because the football Premier League product was not the same in a COVID culture as it would have been before. So they had no interest in that. Of course, they did still show all those matches because the, the revocation of the rights only took place yesterday. So uh, it's not, uh, it's not something that's, uh, it's not something that affected them in any shape or form, but the premier league have said, no, we're not accepting that. We're going to, uh, we're going to revoke your rights. And it's just over half a billion pounds. So it's not, uh, it's no small amount when you consider that the, uh, the premier league's total global purse from non domestic rights is about four billion uh per year then you've got that hundred and you've got that fight it's about 565 five million i'm sure that uh that will now not be coming to premier league clubs as a result of this chinese deal collapsing whether anyone else takes it up is hard to say but keep in mind that china is not a free comma state it's uh it's not like uh sky are not taking the right so bt will just swap them up that doesn't really happen in china because a lot of these companies are are actually state-owned yeah i mean just to throw back to M- to the nba again uh, at the start of the last nba season there was a massive controversy when daryl Morey, the general manager of the houston rockets and the, the, i think he's president of basketball operations there as well he made some comments about um what was going on between China and Hong Kong after some of the players had been over there um, for some, you know, some exhibition games, some preseason games. And that has caused massive tension. There's been talk for the last 10 months that the Chinese deal from, for the NBA could get pulled. And it's actually, it's even more lucrative, I think, than the, than the Premier League's deal in China. But, 
this is definitely going to have an effect uh, an effect on Premier League clubs. We've already seen a number of Premier League clubs be very, very cautious in this current transfer market. With a couple of exceptions, Chelsea obviously uh, today, uh, sorry, yesterday uh, they announced that Kai Havertz was on his way to have his medical and sign his contract. That's a remarkably good signing and adds to Zayic and Werner and the big business Chelsea are doing. It's it's Roman's money being spent. Villa are spending big. Everton are spending big. The clubs with owners who are willing to put their own money in are able to spend big. But the clubs that are aiming to be self-sufficient or maybe aren't Manchester United with that massive commercial machine behind them uh, are all having to be cautious. And this is going to be another step back for certain clubs. It will. And of course, the, the, some of the clubs like Spurs, for example, are taking low interest loans to try and... Uh to try and finance themselves during this period because there is a clear thing that while, while your competition's weaker, it is an opportunity to strengthen. And there's no doubt about it that Roman Abramovich has taken that stance at Chelsea for absolute sure. I just wanted to go back, sorry, there was something else you asked me about the Chinese thing that we never really touched on there, which is the, the political side of it. Now, for any disagreements on finance happen all the time. But revocation of rights is a little bit different. That wouldn't normally happen so soon in, in the commercial world. You know what I mean? We're talking, I know the payment was due in March and says, well, that was a long time ago and obviously it's still not been paid. But there, there is definitely political undertones to this. Obviously, there are strained relations just now between the UK and Chinese government over uh, over the block from the uh, from the UK on the Huawei uh, work that was planned uh, on Britain's 5G network and the security concerns surrounding that and of course uh the british government also offered residencies to three million people from hong kong after uh china threatened the new security law uh, last week as well so there is a lot of political shenanigans going on there as well so this one may drag on it may be resolved but if it doesn't then it's just going to lead to even more piracy it's going to lead to more iptv because what the premier league in my opinion don't seem to realize is that they have created a drug in some ways through overhyping of their service, of their product, this Premier League and these Premier League clubs and the way they market it, they've created this insatiable appetite for fans to watch the games and especially their team. Now, when you take that away or you take a legal means away of watching that live, then these addicts, if you like, which is us, the fans, we're the addicts, we are going to find a way to make sure we still have access to that to that drug, to that product. And if that means that you go down a legal means to do so, then you will. It's probably the first time in many people's lives that they find themselves breaking laws because they want to watch that product and they will find a way to do it. So if a billion people in China that watch football, and it won't be a billion, but I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but if a billion people in China don't have access to Premier League football anymore then they're going to find a way to watch that. And where are they going to find that? With the IPTV companies. In exactly the same way that people in the UK that are blocked from watching 3pm kickoffs or the 160 games that aren't going to be shown next Premier League season, they're going to find a way to watch those. And that, the only way they're going to do it is by going underground and using IPTV services. Of course, piracy has been in football news recently as well, as that was one of the reasons... Um, for the block put on the the takeover of Newcastle by the Saudi group because the Saudi government have been, um, you know, rampant with with the piracy of Premier League games, much to the dismay of being sport. So we are going to see more and more of this, aren't we? We're going to see the, the Chinese government do something similar to what the Saudis have done 
and we're going to see people take advantage of it. And, and you, you mentioned earlier how like the streaming side of things had taken a bit, had taken kind of a big downturn because people had IPTV service and that, but we could potentially see another spike in streaming. I think more and more so. And I, th- I think it's the biggest threat to the Premier League cash bubble that there's ever been because you've heard constantly how Premier League clubs have been able to resume playing football, whereas a lot of other leagues did not. Obviously, the Championship in England did, but nothing below that. That they had sustainable business models based on no fans being in stadiums, that they could afford to ride out. Obviously, they've all taken huge hits on their balance sheet. Every Premier League club would generate between 50 and 100 million in revenue from fans attending games each year. That's gone, effectively. We don't know it's gone for good. That's part of the problem, I suppose. That's where it becomes difficult for Premier League clubs to plan their finances, to decide what they're doing with transfers. I do think it all stems back to that. But if the Premier League cash bubble is burst, then effectively the Premier League goes back to what we were used to as kids, which was the old First Division and TV wars and very minimal budgets. It's, it's the biggest threat to the TV. Uh, piracy is the biggest threat to the TV deal and, and the income that Premier League clubs make. And they have to be very, very vigilant of it. I know. And of course, you said it right, actually, at the top of the show. The answer is quite obvious, but it's whether the Premier League and the clubs will be willing to take it because they've been spoiled for so long. They've been spoiled by billions of pound TV deals that just went up and up and up every time they were negotiating and that's why there isn't a netflix service for uh for streaming because they don't need one they they are effectively making washes of cash by mm. not having something like that so why change it does it really is when have football ever cared about the fans you know what i mean it's like yeah. so so it's like they are awash with cash there is absolutely no need for them to consider a netflix type service in in the uk but maybe that's what will have to happen maybe maybe market forces will dictate that that has to happen it happened with audio streaming for instance do you remember we'll go back to the mid the mid noughties effectively and services like napster and uh, all the ways of getting illegal music uh, mp3s and things like that that was all e-donkeys and file sharing services, peer-to-peer. That was the way people got their music. They stopped going into record shops. They stopped buying albums. They stopped buying CDs. And effectively, that that created a whole, a whole market of pirate, a pirate industry around the music mm. trade. Now, what happened? Eventually, the music realized that they were going to die if they didn't do something so suddenly you had spotify suddenly you had apple music amazon music before long there was deezer there was other services where people could get their music legally but an affordable at an affordable price and i think inevitably football will and it happened in movies as well where we all used to go to we're showing our age here and excuse the kids but you used to watch films on these little tape things that you put in videos it's called vhs (laughs) and you used to actually go and hire these can you believe it we physically went to a shop a blockbuster or or somewhere like that and we we actually got given a cassette you know what i mean this is i mean i would love to give it once and you you brought it back you watched it once and you had to take it back you know what i mean sometimes you got it for one night sometimes you got it for two i mean that will sound absolutely insane to anyone that isn't familiar with that era when you're spoiled with the likes of netflix and apple plus and uh, hbo go and these services that are that are all streamed but market forces dictated that that's the way that the customer wanted it now all that's holding the premier league and football back from doing this is that the customer is treated with such disdain that they're not able to force these things through whereas everything going down the piracy route will affect the bottom line of not just the premier league but the premier league clubs and that affects transfers and effectively 
the bubble will burst. At some point, sooner or later, the Premier League TV bubble will burst and they have to have a backup plan in place for when that happens. And a fully legal service that allows football fans to watch their teams, because most of us don't watch all the games. We're not like you, Dave, that uh, seem to have uh, 62 hours in each 24 to watch football. See, I don't watch much television. That's that. <laughs> People always ask me, like, why do you watch so much football? I don't really watch a whole lot of television. What well, I tend to there, do there is... can't be enough hours in the day for when you're watching uh, Division Three from the Kazakhstan League. Uh, yeah, this, this evening, you know, I'll no, find <laughs> out who's who's up and coming. You know, <laughs> what player might suit Leighton Orient? I know these things. You've got to have your files. You've got to have charts. <laughs> Well, most um, of us, it's safe to say, aren't quite in the Dave Hendrick mold, and most of us will just watch our own teams. And a legal means of doing that is required very, very soon. And and I think piracy is the thing that's going to burst the bubble. That's my bottom my bottom line vision is that that is the conclusion that I come to when you compare all the facets, all the factors. The Premier League bubble will at some point burst and they're going to need fans going back into stadiums and they're going to need a Netflix style deal, which will make them less revenue. That's the thing that everyone seems to think. If you actually do the maths on it, they will not make as much revenue from a Netflix style deal, uh, uh, an NBC sports type package that they have in the US, if you like, where you can watch every game. The Premier League clubs will not make as much money from that as they will from the way the Premier League have sold TV rights so far. Yes, that is the big difference between the Premier League and the NFL and the NBA is that the NFL and NBA, like other than say the UK for NFL and China for NBA, they don't have a lot of international TV deals. Whereas the Premier League has deals with Middle Eastern Middle Eastern companies. We had had to deal with China. I'm sure there's, there's obviously the deal with Foxtel, the deal with uh, NBC, the deal with DAZN. There's, or there's, I think it's the Zone, isn't it? Is that is that the uh, how it's pronounced? The Zone. Um, like they have deals all over the globe with with different providers, and maybe that's the difference that those American uh, sports don't have, and that's why they went for their own, like you know, Game Pass or League Pass services so that they could reach those global audiences. The Premier League might say, well, we're already doing things the way we want to do things, and we have all these deals in place. But like you said, eventually eventually that bubble bursts. Eventually that money dries up. And, and the other risk to the Premier League is that the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs, if they start to find that their bottom line is being hit badly, and they can no longer compete on a European scale the way they want to, because they'll still be strong in the Premier League. Because if everybody in the Premier League loses the same amount of money, well, those big clubs will still have more match day income, more commercial income. So they'll still be the best teams in England. But if they're not competing in Europe, that's when you'll start to hear all the talk about a European Super League again. That's when the top six in the Premier League will go to Juventus, Milan, Inter... Lazio, Roma, Bayern Munich and all the rest and say, look, why don't we break away? Let's all set up a European league and we'll have, you know, 30 teams, two divisions. We'll play each other twice and then we'll go into a playoff situation similar enough to what you see in American sports with playoffs where it's, you know, single game knockout or or two leg knockout. And then we'll get to our final and we'll replace the Champions League 
and our domestic leagues with this mega league, I think the we'll fear, just absolutely rinse it from from a cash point of view. I think the fear that the Premier League have over a Super League is that the Premier League sell their rights very or package their rights very differently to, uh, to other markets. For instance, you, you mentioned Spain there. Now in La Liga. Barcelona and Real Madrid know that they bring the most eyeballs, they bring the most money to the TV deals, and they're allowed to negotiate their own TV deals. They're allowed to effectively go to Mr. Saudi Arabia and say, that's how much we want for for you showing Real Madrid matches in, in your jurisdiction. Rather than, in the Premier League's example, everyone gets an even split of the purse. So that's why there's more transfer money mm. that's why Aston Villa can come into the league or Leeds can come into the league and spend money because they're banking on the TV money that they've not had when they're on the other side of that line and and that's not quite the same in in, in La Liga and in other countries so the way, but but if that bubble does burst then you can be sure that Man United Liverpool Arsenal the super clubs effectively within our within our Premier League they are going to want to negotiate their own TV rights, and that brings them. I mean, it, it, it's the the it would be the biggest chasm of the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer within football that you will ever see if that happens. Yeah, exactly. Because if if the clubs all have free reign and Liverpool can go to you know, like you say, Mister Saudi Arabia and say, "Hello, we want to sell you our games," and then like the next person in the door is Burnley, and they're like, "Well, we'd like to sell you our games as well." Liverpool are going to walk out with a much bigger deal than Burnley. And that, like you say, is just going to create even more disparity in the game, uh, which isn't a good thing for the game. I mean, I really like the fact that Leeds and Villa and Brighton, like Brighton average about 70 million a season in in spending for on transfers, uh, which is incredible for such a small club. Um, Everton at the moment are spending hundreds of million more than Liverpool over the last four or five years. Um, and it's, it's good. It, it sparks competition. It, it keeps everybody on their toes. Just to go back to what we were talking about earlier on, actually, with when you were talking about the the idea of three Premier League games being shown at the same time on three different networks, be it Sky, BT Sport, and, say, the BBC... Surely that's good for competition as well because it would force each of the TV companies to up their game from a production point of view, from a presenting point of view, from an analytical point of view. And maybe we'd see a far better quality of product because a big, I think a big part of why fans are a little bit turned off by Sky and BT, other than the, the crazy prices that those companies demand for their service, is that... I mean, a lot of the people that they have presenting this content and talking about this content, they're not exactly giving you any new information. Like They're not helping the fa- enhance the viewing experience. And maybe if there was more competition between the providers, we'd see more competition. We'd see a better product. Perhaps, uh, I mean, I think Monday Night Football would probably be the exception to that, where they do do a bit more of a deep dive on, on what they've seen exactly. in Sky on, on that one show. That's the one outlier in what you just said there. But, I, th- I mean, competition always 
is always good for uh, always good for quality. There's no two ways about that. Is because companies can't just rest on their laurels and uh, and go with a stack at high, sell at sell at low mentality. And <laughs> I'm saying sell at low. I mean, we, we, the serve the amount of money you now need to spend on Sky, BT, Amazon to not even get to watch every match is is you need a second mortgage for it in most cases. Uh, so the legal means is very very expensive, and that's another thing, obviously that that falls on the pirates' lap with the uh, illegal IPTV services and such but the uh the the concern that i think they would have and the broadcasters would probably be the first to put their hands up and say no to to, to broadcasting at the same time for the simple fact that obviously they have ad revenues from what they show uh at the intervals and stuff like that as well and those ad revenues are all going to get hit if they're not effectively able to uh to show them to as many eyeballs as possible because they're away watching other networks at the same time so all of these things are factors which would probably put the broadcasters off that idea unless everything was on their channel at the, at once you know what i mean mm. so bt have a choice of three games that you can watch right now and after that, those three games are finished sky have a choice of three games that you you know what i mean they they really don't want to be going up against each other directly i mean we weren't supposed to be talking about soap operas here, right? But if you think about it, EastEnders is never shown at the same time as Coronation Street. You know what I mean? It's always been that way. You know what I mean? Even though they're on competitive networks, they just don't want to do that because they, they dilute each other's products. And effectively, all they're doing is that, that saying again is shooting themselves in the foot. True, because a big part of it is obviously for those providers, one of the reasons they're willing to pay so much money and one of the reasons, you know... I, ITV and, and BBC can put in big budgets into an EastEnders and a Cory is because they're getting all the all the eyeballs. And from a, an ITV point of view, that means that they can sell their ad space at a much higher price. So the same obviously will be for for BT and Sky. I think like if you look with say the Super Bowl, for example, nobody programs anything against the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl gets all the eyeballs, which means that a 30-second ad will cost you about 2 million quid, whereas that same 30-second ad the following Sunday might only cost you 100,000 quid. Um, it, it's an interesting thing. It's it's something that I think the Premier League are going to be need to be aware of. And I, I, I know that in recent days as well, there's been a little bit of pressure from the British government to not have the IPTV block in place. Uh, I, I think they, I think they would. I, I, I don't think the the government are fine with the IPTV block because the government don't want to encourage illegal services. I think where the government pressure comes is the fact that the Premier League have not found a way to show this 160 matches, which won't be aired. I think they would like them to be aired in the same way they were, while uh, in the in the in the immediate end of lockdown. I think they want the games to be shown on TV because they don't want fans congregating at stadiums, and they know full well that people will find ways to watch these games if they're not shown in illegal means you know what i mean they don't want this they they don't want this rest they don't want people on the streets they don't want people congregating in the stadium they don't want hassle for the, for for the police services you know what i mean and if they can if the government could put pressure on the premier league to show these games then i think that that ticks a few boxes for the government uh, and i think that's what the government pressure is about uh, not really stopping the illegal services but that would be part of their thinking as well it's the premier league that seemed to be caught in a bit of a chasm in the fact that they don't see it. I mean, it shouldn't need government pressure. The Premier League should be finding a way to get these games shown. And maybe that will still happen with the with the news that the government uh, and the uh, 
and the ministers are trying to put a bit of pressure on the uh, the Premier League to show this 160 games they, 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 they don't intend to. Obviously, we don't know when fans may be back in stadiums. I can understand it when fans were in stadiums. I really could. But I struggle. I really struggle to understand why 160 games would not be shown on TV when there's a, the potential for fans to not be inside those stadiums uh, to watch those games live and to effectively shut off any angle for fans that spend fortunes on season tickets, on kits, on various merchandise and stuff, traveling all around the country to watch their team year on, year out. The first ever season starts without fans. And they're basically Mm. saying, sorry, 160 games, not going to be shown live on TV, but you can watch the highlights on match of the day later. Something, something doesn't add up there. No, it doesn't add up at all. Um, I wonder, like the, the thing, we're looking at a season where, they're talking about fans coming back in maybe late October at like a minimal percentage of of a of a, a stadium's capacity. So I think uh, for Anfield, it's about two and a half thousand people, or is it? I think it's two. And a, oh, it could be twelve thousand people. Is it twelve? Yeah, I read. People? I read that. I read that the the initial draft plans were for twelve and a half thousand people to be able to attend the uh, the Liverpool Sheffield United game. I think that was the first one, which is uh, towards the end of October, I believe. Right, so say twelve and a half thousand people. The the cost to the club of making sure that everybody is social distanced, that there are access to bathroom facilities and half time uh, facilities, without people getting congregated into massive areas, that's going to be huge. I mean, that's not going to help the clubs. That's not going to make the clubs any money. They're probably going to lose money because they're going to have to have a full stadium worth of staff probably extra staff to make sure everybody's kept apart. And it's not really going to be all that enjoyable of an experience, I don't think, from a fan perspective. I think it's a lost leader, though, Dave. I think it's very much one of these things that the clubs realise they have to do that phased approach to get their mm. full attendances back, to make the money that they do from 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 hospitality, from fans being able to uh, return to football. And I think that that's, it's just a phase. They have to accept the hard graft of a phase like that, which is going to lose them money, as you rightly said, in order to get back to the full profitability uh, level of uh, of fans attending games, they have to go through that in order to in order to yeah. achieve the uh, the end result. But it, again, it's it's more money lost in a year where most most Premier League clubs are going to report staggering losses. I mean, Liverpool are going to report incredible losses based on on the information that's out there in the public sphere at the moment you'd imagine the rest will be the same like Manchester United their match day income is incredible the whole reason Tottenham moved to their new stadium was because they'd have all this incredible match day income coming in and now they don't have it the same for Arsenal when they moved to the Emirates it was about all about maximizing the match day income and the commercial income they could make and all of that has gone away. And even with the, you know, the phased approach to bringing back in, it's going to be quite a long time before they start to see that money coming back in. So I don't just think it'll be this transfer window. I think next summer's transfer window will probably be similar enough. I think you'll see a lot of clubs being cautious. The clubs with the mega rich owners or the cash cow like Manchester United can probably afford as long as they have Champions League football or, you know, they have a lower payroll. So say like Villa, um, Brighton, 
Leeds, a lot of these clubs still have a lot of players on their championship contracts. So they can afford to say, okay, well, we can afford to spend that little bit of extra now because our wage bill is low. But like a, a club like Liverpool, their wage bill is astronomical. Um, Manchester City won't ever have that worry, but their wage bill is huge as well. And United's is, I believe, the, the highest in the league by some distance, even after saying goodbye to Alexis Sanchez. So a lot of clubs are going to be doing a, a lot of hard looking over the next six months. Absolutely. And, and if, I, you, if you imagine the fiscal planning that went into these wage bills, you just mentioned them. Uh, obviously, there's doubts of how genuine the reports of Man City's wage bill actually are, but that's a, that's a whole other podcast. But the, uh, the, the, the fiscal planning that these clubs would have done would have been based upon the current TV deal from 2019 to 2022, which is, I think, I, I don't, don't quote me on the exact figures, but I think it's around four and a half billion uh, in in the uh, domestic in the overseas rates and uh, about five billion in, in the in the domestic rates. So and they dropped the domestic rates dropped by about a billion in this cycle as well. So you've got that pot. Then you've got mm. fans coming into the stadium. Some of the numbers you just mentioned, the hospitality things like that. These are the things that obviously clubs have built their plan around kit sales. Uh, we know that a lot of clubs, a lot of Premier League clubs have have deals, commercial deals tied to the revenue generated from those kit sales. Well, if there's a if the economy around the world has gone into recession. So people are going to have less money and luxury items like uh, Premier League football kits will be one of the things that goes to the side. So all of those revenues are going to be affected. Sponsors, if the China thing does blow up in everyone's face, not just the TV money, look how many Premier League clubs are, are, are donning uh, Chinese sponsors on their yes. uh, on their wares and around stadiums. That sort of thing is going to be affected as well. We've already seen a couple of Premier League clubs, I think Liverpool are one of them, where... Their sleeve sponsor, Liverpool's, was Western Union. That seems to have ended a year earlier, unexpectedly. That deal was in place for another year. It's disappeared. There's no. So you have to believe that that is a COVID economy knock-on effect at some sta- stage that Western Union have had a clause that's allowed them to walk away from that deal. Uh, there's something yeah. gone on there. You know what I mean? There are things happening with sponsorship. Football's bubble is in very, very close to bursting. Not just the TV bubble, the money bubble. There could be some massive problems. And that's why if clubs are being criticized for being prudent right now, they have to be because they don't know what the future holds. And you mentioned the sugar daddy element there. They're the ones that are going to be able to keep plowing money into their clubs because that money does not matter to them in the same extent. And that's why the likes of Roman Abramovich, the likes of Man City, they're able to still plow money into things like if Man City pull off a messy deal, for instance, so many clubs couldn't even look at those numbers because they're so outlandish in normal times. Never yeah. mind in times where the future, really none of us know. The, you could be the best financial analyst in the world. You do not know what the landscape looks like in six months' time. And that short-termism, not even long-termism, the long-term future is even more difficult to predict well I, I listen to the the price of football podcast on a regular basis because it is staggeringly good um the product that those guys put out and even like they who are they're experts at this like they know what they're talking about and even they're saying like it's such an uncertain time just to give you an example that you, you mentioned the messy deal so lionel messi's current salary is about 100 million euro at Barcelona, which is about ninety million pounds, Burnley's entire wage bill for the entire club, every single employee, is eighty-seven million. So when you talk about the disparity in the league, <laughs> Messi could earn more by himself than every person employed by Burnley 
from the playing staff to the to the match day staff earn and and that is like that is where you know the mega rich owners come in and UEFA are going to have to look at that from an FFP point of view but they'll also have to tread lightly because again as I talked about with the Super League earlier on if UEFA start cracking down on City and Chelsea and United and saying well look your income is way down but your spending went way up you don't have means to justify it well that's where you start getting well that's fine We'll 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 consider our options and yeah we'll take we'll, our ball, we'll, we'll take our ball and go elsewhere. Yeah, we'll go and we'll that. talk to PSG. Yeah. We'll talk to Barca. We'll talk to Real, uh, and we'll see if maybe they want to set up a Super League. And you and can that's do nothing exactly about that. Why that's exactly why FFP restrictions are being relaxed for the in in, in the pre COVID. So of course that's like dangling. That's like a rag to a bull to a Roman Abramovich. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I like. People say, oh, well, it's, it's unlikely. But remember, this is how we got the Premier League in the first place, is that the top clubs broke away from the FA and were like, we want our money. We want to maximise our brand, not yours. And I'd imagine when they set the Premier League up nearly 30 years ago now, the, the clubs probably thought at this point they'd have more power in it. And not another FA, another governing body who can clamp down and do this, that, and the other thing. But it it doesn't take much. It takes one club deciding enough is enough and then getting someone else on board. And then if each of those gets one, then you've got four. And all of a sudden, the Premier League can become you know very perilous. The future of the league could be very different. And it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good for the English game to see the big clubs walk away. Um it certainly wouldn't be good for the the TV networks. You know, Sky and, and BT would be up in arms and they'd probably follow the Super League. It could mean that we get football back on uh, terrestrial TV, but again, that's going to be a massive drop of money. It's a, it's a very tight rope that the uh, the Premier League has to navigate over the next the next couple of years. This IPTV thing, though, is is just another slap in the face to fans. And as I said earlier, people should, you know, look for ways around it. Uh, LibertyShield.com would be my suggestion, but, you know, other providers are are available. Eddie, thanks for taking so much time on your Saturday. I will leave you to go back. Uh, if anyone wants to find more of Eddie's work, you can find him at Anfield Index. Uh, there's rumours going at Anfield Index that Eddie is... Uh, the descendant of the last royal family of Scotland, and that he may be some sort of uncrowned king of Scotland. I don't know where those rumours came from. We'll have none of that speculation on this podcast. But Eddie, thanks a million for your time today. <laughs> You're very welcome. And of course, if uh, if uh, Scottish nobility rules apply, and in the same way they do to uh, US presidential ones, then I'm uh, I'm I'm completely out of the running already. <laughs> by Donald birth. Trump of Scotland. <laughs> no, no. By birth, I, by birth, I'm totally goosed on that front. Unfortunately, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. <laughs> Radio, uh, maybe Greg Hopcroft steps in. We, we you know, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, he'd we don't be know. Okay. He'd qualify. <laughs> uh, Eddie, thanks a million. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out all the quality writing on EPLindex.com. Check out Liberty Shield for their products. Could be very, very useful at this moment in time. Uh, do check out the competition that we're running on Twitter with 3retro.com where you can win a free retro shirt. 
some really really cool stuff. If you if you grew up watching Gazetta Football Italia, there are products there that you will want to get your hands on. Uh, I'll be back Monday, so you have yourself a good weekend. See you next time. Podcast Network.